At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Before we kick off another year, this is a time where you get a little reflective, reflective on the season that you've just come out of. And for us, it's the season of summer. You know, as a nearly 49-year-old man, summer and school year looks quite similar. My days don't vary all that much, but there are some opportunities in the summertime that are a little different. One of the opportunities we had as a family this last summer was to go on a vacation, and we went to Washington, D.C. as a family. And in D.C., we toured the museums, we went to the monuments, we visited the memorials, the three M's of Washington, D.C. We went and took advantage of that and really enjoyed the time together there as a family. Now, when we walked around Washington and these museums and memorials and monuments, one of the things that became clear was that our country has a history, has a history. Stuff happened here. And it's remembered in this museum, these museums, and it's remembered in the monuments and the memorials. Not only was it evident that our country had a history, but it also is clear that our history gives us a legacy. In other words, our country has been shaped as we look back on the examples and the things accomplished by those who have gone before us. And being a pastor and seeing all of this play out, I, I began to think and to wonder is the church kind of like a museum, a monument, or a memorial? I mean, after all, the church itself has a history. Jesus really came. He really died on the cross. He really rose from the grave. There is a portion of our experience together that looks back on the history of what God has done. The Old Testament is the history of what God did over a long period of time. And so there is a part of this where we have a history. And no question... That history gives us a legacy. We're still talking about those events. We look to those events. We read those events. We reflect on those events. So in some ways, the church is like a museum, a monument, or a memorial. But is it more than that? Is it more than that? Is it more than that? Yes, that's right. It is just making sure you're with me. It is more than that. As a matter of fact, I would say it is way more than that. And the reason why I say that is because the church is not just a place that has a history. And it's not just a place that has a legacy based on that history. The church is a place where Jesus continues to work. He's not retired, he's risen, and he is active, and he is at work in his body, including here. At Wildwood. So that makes the church way more than just something with a history and a legacy. It makes it the body of Christ. Now, we see that very clearly when we think about the experience described in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a description of the very first church, the prototype church that was founded by Jesus and began to grow in the Middle East and throughout the Roman Empire in the first couple of decades after Jesus' ascension. This morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the book of Acts to see if we see anything inside of that that would give us an indication to the living and active part of the church that you and I are invited to be a part of even today. Is there anything from the church in the book of Acts that would inspire us as a congregation to be a church that acts today? 
We're going to look at that. Before we get there, I want us to think for just a moment about the title of the book of Acts. It's called the book of Acts. If you just take your Bible and you open it up and you look, it says the Acts of the Apostles. That's the title that is above the text in my scripture and the same as yours. But where did that title come from? Most of the New Testament books are named from some kind of internal evidence. In other words, early on in the book, it tells us who it's from, it tells us who it's going to, and that becomes the name that the book receives. But when it comes to the book of Acts, the title, The Acts of the Apostles, is not a bad title, but it was a title that was added later. It was a description of some of what we see in the book, a description of what happened through the ministry of Peter and James and John and Paul and the rest of the apostles. But there is a title that is given to us for the book of Acts by its author, Luke. And we see that in the first couple of verses of Acts 1. Luke writes and says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. What is the title that Luke gives to this book? Book In other words, book one was the story of Jesus' earthly life and ministry during his 33-year life. What's book two about? Book two is the continuing story of Jesus working through the early church. And it's a reminder to us, friends, that we're not just a place with a history and a legacy, but we're a place that has a continuing activity of what God is doing in the world through Christ, through His Spirit, in and through each of us. This morning, I want us to to look at the church in Acts so that we might be inspired by its example today. So, what do we learn about the church in Acts? Well, one of the things that we learn about the church in Acts is that the church in Acts is a story of transformation. It's a story of great change. Now, for some of you, you have recently received a yearbook. If you're a high school or middle school student, maybe an elementary student, you received some kind of yearbook probably at the end of last year. For others of us, it's been a little bit longer since we got a yearbook. But when you got your last yearbook, you probably had friends sign it. Now, as friends signed your yearbook, many of them might write something like this, don't ever change. Don't ever change. Friends, I just want to tell you, that is terrible advice. Just absolutely terrible advice. The last time I got a yearbook was all the way back when when I was 18 years old. And I am so thankful that I am not the same guy that I was at 18. By the grace of God, God has continued to grow and to develop me. And by the grace of God, he is continuing to grow and to develop you. And it's a part of what happens inside the church. It's a story of transformation, Just think of some of the examples that we have. We have this guy named Saul of Tarsus who was gathering up Christians to deliver them over to death. But he goes from persecutor of the church to the apostle Paul who takes the gospel to the ends of the earth and invites all he meets to trust and to follow Jesus. It's a story of transformation. Think about John Mark. John Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary trip. And as they went out on that trip, John Mark got a little homesick or something, and he left, and it caused a division in that first missionary team. And Paul and Barnabas split ways over whether or not to include John Mark a second time. But John Mark didn't stay that little guy that deserted. 
John Mark continued to grow and to develop, then he became the one who wrote the gospel of Mark and became someone so valuable to the ministry and even to the Apostle Paul that Paul would say later in his life, please bring Mark to me because he is valuable to me in my ministry. You see, it's a story of transformation. And think about Simon Peter. Simon Peter began as a fisherman and Jesus transformed him to a fisher of men. But that transformation wasn't overnight, was it? It took a little bit of time. Peter would deny Christ. And yet, just a few weeks later, he would be the one who delivers the sermon at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Peter understood that the gospel was to go to the ends of the earth, but he had never even visited the home of a Gentile until chapter 10 of Acts, where he goes and visits Cornelius' home and becomes so convinced of what God is doing among the Gentiles that he gives an impassioned speech in Acts 15 that led to the spread of the gospel freely among the Gentile world, not requiring them to become Jews in the process. Friends, when we look at the story of the book of Acts, we see a history, a legacy of transformation. And if Jesus transformed them, guess what Jesus wants to do with us? He wants to transform us as well. So, what does it mean for us to be transformed? What did it mean for them to be transformed? Well, it meant that their faith in God was increasing. Their faith in God was increasing. We see that across the pages of the book of Acts as the first church was so enamored with the God that they were following that they were trusting him more and more. See, friends, they were captivated by Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and and the other apostles were arrested. But before they were arrested for their faith in Christ, they were giving a speech in the public square, and they said this. They said, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Friends, the first church just focused on Christ. They, 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 they thought of what he said. They remembered what he did. They shared those experiences with each other, and they shared those experiences with everyone that they came in contact with. Jesus was so much at the center that when those on the outside looked at them, the, the, all they could do to describe what was happening was that these were people who had been with Jesus. They were focused on Jesus. They were captivated by him, and as they were captivated by Christ, Their faith in God grew and grew and grew. Not only, though, do we see that they were captivated by Christ, but we see that what they saw about Christ inspired them to follow him and to obey him, even if it meant disobeying those that wanted to intimidate them. Uh, We see Peter and John, after they were arrested a little later on in chapter 4, answered the religious leaders and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you and shut up, rather than to God who says to tell others about Jesus, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go. 
Friends, how did they get to a spot where they would trust and follow Jesus? They would obey him regardless of the cost. What happened by being captivated by Christ, by being focused on him and seeing their faith in God increase that even influenced their obedience. So one of the things that we see happen in this transformation of the early church is this growing faith that the church had in God. But there's a second way that their growth was demonstrated, the second way their transformation was noted, not just in their growth and their faith in God, but also a growth in their love for others. This shouldn't surprise us, right? When, when asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus confirms that the greatest commandment is to what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to have your faith in God increase. But then Jesus said there's a second command that is like it, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we are being transformed by God, we ought to see not only our faith in God increasing, but also our love for others increase as well. And that's precisely what we see happen in the early church. We see it again in chapter 4, where the church is gathering together and they are giving of their resources to help meet the needs of others. We see this in chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, there were some specifics that were going on here. Their love looked a particular way given their current context, but, but let's not miss the motivation that would lead someone to take these actions. It was a love that they had for others that came from a transformation that God was working in each of their lives. Not only did they have a love for others that was increasing that caused them to reach out and help, but also they had a love for others that was increasing that led them to share the gospel with all that they came in contact with. I love it. You can't, you can't read the book of Acts. I mean, go a chapter and find a spot where they are not talking to lost people about Jesus where they are not inviting people who have no connection to God to come to faith in Christ. They're either planning for it, praying for it, or doing it throughout the entire history. Friends, this is something that comes from the transformation of what God was doing. He was transforming them not only to have an increased faith in Him, but increased love for others that led them to help the church and reach the lost. Now, when we think of all of this that was going on in that first church in Acts, what was the effect? Well, the effect was that the world was changed. This picture is actually somewhat of a famous picture of a specific location in Rome. Anybody know where this is? Wow, you guys know this. This is the Colosseum in Rome. In this particular location in the Colosseum is the emperor's gate in the Colosseum. It's where the emperor used to sit and watch Christians be killed on the floor of the Colosseum. But today, do you know what stands over the emperor's gate? A cross. 
remembering what Christ has done and celebrating what he has accomplished. Friends, what began in the Middle East transformed the world and continues today. And this is just another evidence of that. So, we need to ask the question, what grows our faith in God and our love for others? Well, friends, the the, the short answer to that is that God grows them. God grows our, our faith in Him. God grows our love for others. It is God who is doing the transforming. This is something that becomes clear in Acts 1.8. We'll look at the rest of Acts 1.8 a little later on, but I want to see the beginning where it, Jesus says, you will receive power, church, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus was ascending, but the Spirit was coming. And for all who have placed our faith in Christ, the Spirit has come to reside within our lives. For those of you who maybe have not yet placed your faith and trust in Christ, know that from the moment that you believe, the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence in your life to empower you for the life that He has called you to live, to lead to the transformation that we desire. You see, it is God who grows our faith and our love But how does God grow our faith and love? Well, in the first church, in the church in Acts, God grew their faith and their love through a lot of different ways. And we see a great description or summary of that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. In those verses, this description is found of the first church. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These verses famously describe some of the actions of the early church. So what are some of the things that we see in those words there that talk about how God was growing their faith and their love? Well, one of the things we see is that God was growing their faith and love as they follow Jesus into his word. It says in verse 42 that they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were listening to the apostles expound upon the teachings of Christ and remind them of those things. How do we listen to the apostles' teachings today? We do so through the Scripture. The Scripture is the record to us of God's Word, and we go and look into the Scripture in order to grow our faith in God and our love for others, because in it we see who God is and what it looks like to love others. If we want to grow in our faith, if we want to see that kind of transformation happen in our lives, the Word of God must be central to our consumption, what we focus on, what we look to, what shapes our way of thinking. Not only do they follow Jesus into the Word, but they also follow Jesus into worship, into worship. It said that they all had a sense of awe in verse 43. They were depending upon him in prayer on a, on a regular basis. They, they, were, they were praising him as they gathered together. They, they were focused on God as their provider for life and all things. And as they focused upon him, they could not help but praise his name. That grew their faith in him 
and inspired their love of others. Also, they followed Jesus into community. They were, they were meeting together. Together, verse 42 tells us. Not only were they together, but they were together often, verse 46 tells us. That they were meeting regularly in the temple and in homes, breaking bread together. They spent time together. Gathering as, as believers in Jesus Christ has this effect of encouraging us and pointing our eyes upward, away from our circumstances, and towards a God who can be trusted. All the while, we are seeing the needs of those around us that God might want to minister through us. They followed Jesus into community, and they saw their lives transformed as a result. Not only that, they followed Jesus into ministry. They sold their possessions. They gave what they had for the blessing of others. This includes material things, but friends, it also includes the gifts that we have been given, as Bruce has been teaching us over the summer. We give what we have been entrusted with into the work of the blessing of others. And as we do so, we see God behind it, and we love others with them. And also, we follow Jesus on mission. It says that daily, verse 47 tells us, people were being added to their number. That came on the other side of evangelism. They were sharing their faith a lot, and people were responding. See, God is at work in his people, and he's at work in his people to grow our faith in him and our love for others. How does he do that? He does that through his work, through his initiation, through his spirit, but he tends to use the word and worship and community and ministry and mission to grow us and transform us in those ways. Why is it that we as a church family offer so many opportunities to study God's word? Why is it that we encourage us to gather on the weekends for worship? Why is it that we create opportunities to gather in small groups or in Sunday school classes? Why is it that we present so many opportunities for ministry inside of our congregation? Why is it that we talk about reaching the lost in our city and among the nations? The reason is because God is transforming our lives by God's grace, we are not that 18-year-old I was years ago. By God's grace, we are being transformed. And as we are transformed, if we want to be transformed, we trust Christ. We rely upon his spirit, and we go where he is at work to see our lives changed. Friends, this is the example of the church in Acts. But I don't want to just stop with that. I want to keep going because we don't just see an example of the church in Acts, but friends, I really want us to be inspired to be a church that acts, not just to look at what happened, not just to go, that's a really great history lesson, pastor, but also to, to dive in and say, okay, what would it look like for us to be a church that acts? Well, if we are a church that acts, People will know it. It's not a secret. It's something that will have effects. And those effects will be felt in various spheres. And it happens as we act together. So what are the spheres of influence as we come together 
and as we are being transformed. Who would feel it? Well, one group that would feel it is the church. The church would feel it. As we gather on on Sundays, as we gather on Wednesdays, as we gather in small groups, there's going to be something that happens if we are being transformed. That, That people would look at our body, our congregation, and say, I don't know everything about that place, but I know that they are with Jesus because of the way that they love each other, because of the way they talk about their God, because of the way they are trusting in Him. We saw earlier at this verse in in Acts chapter 4, there's ministry that happens in the body when we are being transformed by His grace. You know, anyone that wants to define the activity and the action of the church as merely external, outside the walls of the church, is missing a major component of what God wants to do. God wants to do a work in here in our hearts and lives. Now, not just in here. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he certainly wants to do a work in our hearts and lives. He wants our community to be dependent upon him. He wants our faith to be transformed. And he wants you to grow the faith of your neighbor sitting down the row and across the aisle from you in the year ahead. There'll be effects inside the church. Not only will there be effects inside the church, but there also will be effects inside the community, effects inside the community. I I love what what Paul says in Acts 17 when speaking in Athens. He is reflecting on the fact that our geography matters because God is sovereign even over where we live. He says this in Acts 17, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him yet he is actually not far from us. You see, God has established the the time in which we live and the place where we live. It's not an accident that we live in 2022 in Norman. This is under the sovereignty of God that we are here. And as we are here, Jesus wants us to have an impact, not just someplace, but in this place, in our community not just inside the walls of the church, but outside the walls in the lives of those who are very far from him. I love what it says in Acts chapter 19. There's a description of what happens when Paul and his team begin sharing the gospel in the city of Ephesus. There is such transformation that is happening in lives. There are so many people who are trusting in Christ as their Savior that the idol worship business is experiencing a collapse. They actually had a trade guild meeting and said, our bottom line is being impacted by how many people are following Jesus. Friends, that is a remarkable testimony of what happens when the gospel takes root in a community. Friends, there are a lot of reasons to look around our world. There are a lot of reasons to look around our town and and, and be even discouraged at times, to, to be disappointed at times, to feel helpless at times. But friends, though we might be discouraged and disappointed, we should not be helpless because there is a God who is transforming others. Don't ever change is for yearbooks, not for Norman, not for our city, because we have a God that can change the hearts and the lives of people. Therefore, we come with expectation to the year ahead 
walking forward faithfully, sharing the good news every chance we get in the place that God has sovereignly entrusted us to live. Impact in the church, impact in the community, also impact among the nations. A little earlier on, we, we read Jesus' parting comments in Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We read that and talked about that already. But what happens? He says, and you will be my witnesses, Jesus says, in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Spirit comes, Jesus said, you will, a promise, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what happened. When the Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost, the apostles began to speak, and they began to speak in many languages. Not nonsense, they were speaking languages. Why? Because there were people in Jerusalem at that time from all different countries, and they could hear in their own tongue the word of Jesus that they might be reached with the good news and take the gospel back home with them. The church in Acts chapter 13 organizes and sends out the Apostle Paul and his team to take the gospel around the Roman Empire to invite others to follow Jesus. Friends, it is a part of the dynamic of the church. When a church is being transformed, the nations feel it. Why is it at Wildwood that that we partner with people like the Coffs to send resources in their ministries over the years? Why is it that we have ministry in places like Brazil and Latvia, in the Middle East, in Asia? Why why is it that we train up leaders in Spain and partner with organizations who are doing that? Why do we care about the nations? We care about the nations because God is transforming our hearts, and we realize that this is too great a message to keep to ourselves. As a church, I'm so excited. We got a team that's going to Brazil right after Christmas this year. We got other trips being planned for next year. Why are we doing those things as a church? Because God is transforming our lives, and this is a message that needs to be shared. One of the groups that's impacted is the nations. And as this transformation happens, one of the other things that happens is there's an impact among the next generation. Acts chapter 16, first couple verses Paul is in the region of Galatia, and he goes to the places of Derby and Lystra, and he finds this guy there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well-spoken by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and he begins to follow Jesus alongside Paul. What's significant about that is that we know from the rest of the New Testament that Timothy was taught the gospel by his mother and his grandmother. He came to know Christ because of their testimony. He grew up in a at least half-Christian home. There was this picture, even from the beginning, of passing along these truths to the next generation, that every generation takes this baton of faith and passes it on faithfully to the next. That's why we have a children's ministry. It's why we have a student ministry. It's why we have a college ministry. It's why so many of you are volunteering in those ministries each and every Sunday. It's because when we are being transformed by God's grace, we cannot keep this to ourselves. And so, my desire for us today is this, that we might be inspired by the church in Acts so that we might become a church that acts. And if 
that begins to happen, then this year, some goals we would have as a church is that we would grow in our faith in God. What a, what a wonderful goal for us as a church family this year, that our God would be, our understanding of God would be bigger. Well, God's not going to get any bigger. God is already as big as it gets. But our understanding of God might get bigger as the year progresses, as we trust Him more and more. And that our love for others would also be increasing. And all of this as we remember and rely upon Jesus. 